and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me on this episode is the ski fountain of all knowledge, Mr. Ben Clark, and new to the pod, a man who needs no introduction, Mr. Warner Nickerson. But before we get started, I am super happy to announce our new podcast sponsor, Powderhound. We'll be telling you all about them and giving you the discount code later in the episode. So stay tuned for details. Uh, gentlemen, welcome, Warner. Long time no see. How are you, bud? I'm great, man. I, I do think I need an introduction because most most of your fans probably wouldn't know who I am. <laughs> rubbish. Absolute rubbish. But I have got some stats. Over, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. All right. 19 World Cup starts. Sounds accurate. Best performance in World Cup. Can you remember where and what position you were? Hinterstoder, maybe. Mm, uh, Fizz makes it Beaver Creek. Okay, that could be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. Hinterstoder, 26th in uh, 2011. Yeah, that was my year. Yeah, man. Back in those GS days. Yeah, uh, we are old, huh, buddy? Oh, I don't know how we came so old so quickly as well, by the, by the sounds of it. But what keeps you busy these days? Yeah, um, a bunch of little things, I'd say. I Kind of the the guy i don't know we i think right when you stop skiing it's weird you know you're just trying to figure out where your place is when you're struggling to understand what your identity is after you mm-hmm. know having years and years of commitment to the sport so um I, I think a big part of it is is a bit of a struggle to figure that out and then i like came back into the sport a bit i guess you could say um after a few years out i did a little bit of coaching and anyway this i don't want to like bore you guys to no, no, carry on. so uh the main things i'm doing now is um working with with k2 skis um developing some new piece skis which has been really fun because it's a new passion like it's a reason to go skiing again so i feel like when you stop racing every day you're getting worse now so it's <laughs> it sucks right like that's why you do things to get better <laughs> progress um and when you're done, you're like, damn it, I just get worse every day. This sucks. <laughs> so now I go out skiing um, every time, like testing skis and trying to, to make, you know, badass K2s and then also working on Dodge ski boots. So those are this carbon fiber ski boot. So, so that's been awesome to have like a, a new focus in skiing. And then also uh, doing some content stuff with Bollet and Heli Hansen um and some work with my buddy ewan olsen's brand say normal so nice yeah ben ben you've been checking out warner's uh youtube page right yeah that's right i was uh spending uh, a few lunch times looking at some of the kicking it with badass videos uh and uh, good good to see a a little uh dave riding one in there chatting about uh how how well he knows the queen um but also, (laughs) also i did have a question for you warner after watching the pantero one did you really have to walk back up after filming him? Did I have to walk back? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I had to walk up every time. <laughs> so, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't checked these out yet, but definitely go and check them out. Uh, I want to get some great footage following Pantero down a slalom run, and then Pantero's lift is a skidoo uh, with a button on the end of it that him and his coach jump on. 
Um, Warner pans the camera around to himself saying he's got to walk up and I wasn't sure if that was just for the just for the video where you had to do it every time dude a hundred percent the funny thing well so you, you only get like six runs right that's the thing well they were only taking six runs that day and it was a year ago like two or three days ago um, and I was like looking like so you're there you have this great opportunity to ski with a total badass right you know and and he's skiing that day he was planning to only take six runs so i have six possibilities to do follow cam like side cam like everything so you're like freaking out you're like Shit, what am i gonna do what am i gonna do and the first one you do follow cam and you get to the bottom and you're like oh man i'm stuck down here <laughs> oh, yeah. so, on, so on that side of things dave's more accommodating by training next to a t-bar then where you can just <laughs> yeah. go on the lift with him <laughs> Totally. That was generous of Dave. As we've got somebody fresh to the podcast, we've come up with a new feature and the feature is getting to know you. So I've got a few quick questions for you, Warner, that give us a bit of insight into what you're about. Okay. Question one. You ready? Ready. Where's your favorite place to ski? Um, Favorite place to race or ski? Ski. Ski Sun Valley, Idaho. Uh, If you could ski with anyone for a day, who would it be? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> favorite he place. Skis, to... by the way. Yes, I bet he's pretty good as well. <laughs> yeah, he's Austrian, man. He Wouldn't want to be in the way of him trying to stop there, would you? Just in case. <laughs> uh, where's your favorite place to apre? Uh, Ore, for sure. Valdezer's good, though. Yeah, that is, yeah. Hitting the folly. I can see you on the table in some spandex, that's for sure. Um, Garmish isn't bad. <laughs> list goes on who is the best ski racer of all time oh wow stenmark you just have to go there yeah most memorable moment in ski racing history wow what is the most memorable moment in ski racing history something from when you were young something oh for me for me yeah yeah for you yeah oh then that's probably a lot easier scoring world cup points for the first time nice Finish the sentence. When I'm not skiing, you will find me sailing. Worst moment on skis. Um, there's never a bad moment on skis. Unless they're above your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're, and you're Unless you lose all of them and you're sliding down. <laughs> I, and one, one time when the first time that we did free ski at, uh, at Adelboden, um, I was, I was skiing down. I was like following Ted. He's like, all right, you got to go first. It's super important to go first and nobody's in your way. You can get three, three laps. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I like go down right behind him. And I didn't have my boot. I didn't have my bindings like dialed in. So I'm like hammering right behind him. I lose both skis and just slide right into a fence and then watch every single world cup skier. Just zing, 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 zing. That's Oh. That, I, bet that was a, I bet that was a sight. Uh, and the last question, on a road trip to the Alps, who's coming with you? Three people. Three people. Wow. Um, yeah, Life Christian Haugen and, and Yoon Olsen. Like bringing back the old TNT gang. One more um, spot. Who's taking your final spot? Oh, so, we, so me and three others. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought it was just total three. Um, I'd say, I'd say Bodie just cause he's hilarious. Yeah. 
That sounds sounds like a pretty fun car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as long as you're filming, because I want to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks very much. I think that's uh, Ben. What do you think to the fe- new feature? Should we keep it? Yeah. Can we throw in tech or speed? Just so I can wind you up with how many people say tech. No, because I'll just mute them if they say so. <laughs> can't you add? Can't you? Can't you ask the followers what they think? Isn't that better? Yeah, we can ask them. But they, and again, if they're wrong, then I just won't post it. Great <laughs> <laughs> to oh, shoot over here. <laughs> yeah. this, is an, this is an ongoing argument, Warner, that Ed and I have of how much better the tech disciplines are than speed because it's just boring. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's he awesome. Loves, he loves the GS. It's all about, it's all about the tech. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ben, what have you been up to since we've last podded? I've been anxiously waiting the next ski race, Ed, I'll be honest with you. Um, it, every year seems to go the same way. We get really excited. We hit Solden and then it seems like a year to wait until the next race. Obviously, we had the cancellation uh, or postponement of the uh, head-to-head parallel races. They've been moved back a couple of weeks. So we've had to wait an extra uh, week to get ready for Levy. Uh, so most of my time has been spent uh, working out who we're going to pick and not be really boring and go with the mega obvious approaches uh, that uh, we normally try and avoid. The snow's looking pretty thin out there in Austria, right? So the, a few of the guys that Lech is looking, it's been a bit warm in the outside, it's a bit thin on the ground. So they're hopeful, but then Austria also going down into a new lockdown as well, which is supposed to start, if not started today, or starts in a couple of days, I can't know exactly sure, but they're about to start another lockdown. So I think it's thrown it all up in the air slightly, which would be a bit of a bummer. I was quite looking forward to that parallel. Warner, you would have been straight in there for a parallel, wouldn't you? Right on, man. I would have been stoked to watch that, but oh well. It'll come, right? I hope so. I hope, yeah, because it's, um, so they pushed it back a fortnight, which now means that Levy is on the cards. Most of the athletes, I think a lot of the athletes were due to spend like a, a week or 10 days up there again it's been quite warm and the snow situation away from the heat the race piece the world cup piece is isn't the greatest condition so a lot of people have been hanging back in europe which i think means it's been a little bit more tricky for sort of the covid style stuff warner what's going on with the us guys and traveling and stuff because we we talk about it from our side from a european perspective it's a bit of a pain in the backside, all this stuff and less traveling. And, and But we can still jump on a plane if we want to, or, you know, we can even drive home to spend a bit of time away from the World Cup in these big gaps that we've had between Solden and Levy. What's it, what's it like for these, for, for the, for the U S guys having to pack their bags for the whole winter or. Yeah. So I, I think it, it depends on the groups. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of good training in Colorado right now. Um, so that's where, anyone that's not doing um, levy is in Colorado, at least as far as I know, maybe there's somebody that that's not, but it sounds like the, like the Americans are going to do that charter plane up to up from Zurich on um, Wednesday, I think next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so they're in, in Switzerland um, training right now. Cause that, that seems like the best place to be. I was chatting to a couple of the, the Brits earlier who are racing this weekend. So Noel Baxter, who is, Legend, a legend, a legend. Basil, coaching uh, Alex Tilly. They are get. They got their COVID tests today, which is Monday, um, before getting on that charter plane, and then they get another COVID test on touchdown in Finland. So 
he, he's saying it's a really nervous time for them when they're going in, you know, you're basically just waiting to see what the results come through. You're just hoping against hope that you're going to pass these tests. But yeah, so I think it's nervous times for some of these athletes. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Tessa Worley about it right before the first, the first race in Solden. And she was said she was super nervous. Um, meanwhile, the, the U S group, we, they've been having tons of tests. So they have to do tests before they go to a training camp. Once they get to a training camp, so for most of the U.S. athletes, it's kind of like no big deal to have another test. So I think it totally depends on like what team you're on and how often you're doing the test. Another thing to add to some stress levels for the guys, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does kind of suck. The other interesting thing is like, is what happens if, if somebody next to you um, ends up being positive, like on the plane or something? Um, and whether or not more groups have to quarantine. Um, I, I was reading some of the restrictions out. If you're in, if you're sitting within, or if you're within six feet of someone for 15 minutes, you're supposed that definitely has it. You're supposed to quarantine. So, you know, I mean, is, is that a thing you're like, all right, maybe we spread out our whole team all over an airplane, or maybe we put them all together. Or maybe not. I don't know. It's like, it's like, gosh, so many strange things to think about. That's brutal. That is brutal because you could be sat, you know, a row behind whoever. And if they test positive on the other side, do you get, you know, sort of a proximity notification that you, tough, you've got to, you're out as well, dude. Yeah. I'm like not exactly sure how all that works, but it is, it is, it's going to be interesting. I mean, hopefully we don't have those issues this year, but definitely adds some uncertainty. That's why you want to be the likes of uh, Pantro or Hersher or one of those uh, big money guys. Get your own plane up totally. there. Don't worry about getting on the charter one with everyone else. You love, sure, yeah. I'm sure Pantro and, and, and the various Red Bull people, there'll be someone who'll be able to take them in on some kind of jetpack or something if they need it or some <laughs> other ridiculous invention Red Bull will come up with. Those guys will be fine. They'll be landing at the start with some helicopter <laughs> or something, like drop down right into the first gate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those guys have got it made. Little, little inspection from a helicopter That's exactly a drone maybe that could work i was just looking up i've got a message from marcel mathis who says to say hi and oh, uh, he, awesome he was saying that he uh, remembers some funny trips with you and hanging out with bodhi when you when bodhi was working with marcel's dad like yeah that. my god there were some hilarious trips i mean but bodhi is such a such a just a a riot like the dude decides what he wants to do and just does it. Like I, I remember the first, the first trip that I went on with him when right, right after he won the overall with team America. Um, it was, we were with Junti's Junti's uh, dad, Junti. Um, and he was a serviceman for Bodie for tech. And then Heinz Hemmerly was a serviceman for speed. And we're like, he's like, Oh yeah. Like we're going to have this camp for, for two weeks. It's going to be great. Da, 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 da. We got the mountain, everything set. We go up there, we, we ski for two days, one day of GS, one day of slum. And Bodhi's like, yep, I think we got everything figured out. <laughs> That's it. Just stopped. I, I didn't really, I never skied too much with Bodhi, but the only, the only interaction I had with him was at World Champs in, uh, in uh, Garmisch, 2011. And he, it was downhill training and he comes, he's obviously one of the first and I'm towards the back. And, uh, and he's, uh, he's done his run and I'm, at the top waiting to do mine he walks in the restaurant and goes jesus that was hard 
I'm like, if, if the best guy in the world is telling me that that's hard, that is not instilling me with a huge amount of confidence as I'm about to try and throw myself down here. Um, so yeah. Phil, that was hard, up, right? It was slick oh, that year. Dude, I ended up in the nets. It was so, uh, so, so little. Confidence. I mean, you had a warning, Ed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> did, did not heed it in the nets. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you did, listen to Bodie, dude? Did, did he say where it was hard or just all of it? <laughs> Literally, that run was hard. Tops awesome. Apart from maybe the first 100 metres, which were flat, and then it went into pitch black, as it always is in Garmish, and absolute bulletproof. And um, yeah, Bodie thrived off that stuff. And I don't think I was alone, but I certainly did not thrive. <laughs> I think that was Innerhofer's year. He was like just crushing the ice. Oh, like... he, he does love it rough and ready. I mean, he, let's see if, if he gets back because he's obviously picked up a few injuries. It'll be interesting to see. Well, all the speed guys, they're, they're just cruising around. What are they doing at the moment? Just eating a few, eating a few cakes, chilling out, ready for... It's a good question, actually. I mean, it depends Depends what nation you're from, I guess. But, you know, I, a lot of the Norwegians are up in Norway on the small hills there, I think. I, I ran in. I was over there uh, in the beginning of September um, and ran into some of those guys. Well, they said, what, what are they just... It's going to be so different for that. We talked about it, didn't we, Ben, a couple of weeks ago, how different it's going to be for the speed guys trying to get used to... I don't know the long, I mean, used to, but just getting up to speed, getting the rust off those long skis ready for the winter, because normally South America or New Zealand or whatever, Southern hemisphere cruising around on the long boards. For Honestly, it, I think it'll be the hardest for the, for the younger guys that haven't done it. The veterans, it's nothing, right? Like they're going to be fit. They know what to know what to expect. No problem. Um, but like the, the kind of more up and comers that, you know, haven't done the tracks very much or, I think I think that's going to be an, an added kind of struggle. It really does play into the hands of the the elder statesmen, the guys that have done ten years on World Cup. They could do they could do the the main places with their eyes closed. They could probably inspect the Han and Kam from from wherever they are sat right now and know what's going to come. Yeah, the ones that are like overjoyed to have somewhat of a summer off to spend it with the fam. Exactly. <laughs> I'm very ha happy that they're not going anywhere. Oh, how's, how's it all been going with the US guys? We've seen sort of, Ben, you, you and I were discussing it a couple of days ago about the ups and downs that the US ski team has had and then how they're still able to pull out these superstars of, of ski racing. Yeah, I was having a look back through these guys, actually, and from our kind of childhood days of, of kind of like American icons, obviously we had Peekaboo Street in, in the 90s, was was a big one that was always on on kind of ski Sunday and, and TV shows over here, and then you kind of went into the the Ralphs and Bodie era in the early two thousands, and then you had a nice overlap to like Vaughn and and, and Ted uh, uh, crushing it in in the kind of mid two thousands, and now Schifrin's absolutely dominating all of skiing. Like they've been kind of, not that luck plays into it, but America's been really lucky that there's been that kind of good overlap basically from those times all the way through and they've always had someone dominating the sport and the, the question I had was obviously we've seen a, a few like peaks of who might be there but who's who's next obviously Schifrin's not going anywhere but uh who do you see coming through uh over there that might that might be able to pick up the mantle certainly on the on the guy's side <laughs> um that that's um Luke Winter of course like last year you saw some some brilliance out of him in slalom um 
but once again, this is, this is hard, right? Like it's, it's almost impossible to, to see these guys unless there's a shift in. Um, but you look at, you look at Ted coming up and he, he kind of sucked until, until one year it all changed. Um, and I, I think, I think that's what's so neat about our sport is that in one year when you get the right setup, you get the right coach, um, you get the right skis um, and you find some confidence, you can go from zero to hero. Um, You get on that run of results, right? Yeah. It's so cool. Like, I I don't know. That's, that's why I just love the sport so much that, you know, people can just make these huge strides. I mean, look at Paula Moulton over the summer, you know, like she, she lost a quite a bit of weight um, and is unbelievably strong right now. Um, and then to, to never do anything in GS and get 10th and sold in, it's like, man, that's so cool. It, it reminded me a lot of Ted in 2006 when, when he, you know, he's a Psalm skier and then shows up at Solden, ends up getting six, wins a second run. And you're like, whoa, look at this guy. And then he goes off and wins the combined that year. It's just a total legend. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think that's what's so cool about, about our sport. So who's going to be the next American? Um, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting from our side of the pond is how our, us ski team athletes known or or can't think of the right word but what's their sort of status within us sport do they get a lot of time on the sports pages or is it still niche i mean it's still it's still mostly niche um but in until you become a superstar um and then when you're in contention for the olympic gold medals then all of a sudden you know you're all over the place and and people care um, I'd, I'd say that's how it is in the US. I'd say that's how it is in, in most countries. It's all about whoever's the best, right? If you're the best in a nation, like, and you've been around for 10 years, everybody knows who you are. Um, and if, you know, you're, you're, you're not, <laughs> you're fighting and struggling to find a little bit of funding to make it to the next camp. But the US, and we talked about it briefly before we came on air about, um, how the US ski and snowboard they have a sort of funding arm to the to the program yeah yeah this is this has been hugely helpful um so US ski and snowboard which has all the different disciplines you know like snowboarding it has freestyle like all the big air stuff and then alpine cross country nordic combined and so within that there's there's the the main board which is the governance board which is I'm on, I'm on as the athlete rep so it's a voted position uh, of have it for another three years and I've been on it for five now so kind of like getting a little old there um, but the the cool thing with with this is that then there's this total other arm of US ski and snowboard which some people don't really understand but it's called the foundation so it's US ski and snowboard foundation and that's where they do all the fundraising. And so that arm, you know, brings in something between 10 and $12 million a year, um, which is huge, you know, without that, it just wouldn't work. That's a huge, huge pot to start helping athletes because yeah. as we, as we know all too well, it's uh, it's very expensive, <laughs> very <Yeah>. expensive. <laughs> 
and and they recently so there's a couple of cool things that that group does um they're, they just recently added to uh, another like five positions to it. So I think there's 85 people that are trustees and, and each of them, they give somewhere around 30 grand. And then, and then this other really cool thing that the ski team started maybe five or seven years ago is a gold pass. So it's a ski pass that works at every single ski area in the United States. And um, it costs now $12,500. So, you know, they're selling like 120 of them, maybe something like that, you know, so, you know, you're, you're looking at, at a lot of revenue there. So for a while it was 3 million and then now it's, you know, somewhere in the four range. Um, so this has been another, like, really, I, I think, I think our sport, you have to focus on things like that, that are huge added value that people wanted to do um, yeah. because it's really difficult to, to find sponsorship in other ways, um, especially when, you know, you don't have that many big names. I mean, we're lucky in the U.S., of course, with some really big names, but it, you need more than just that. So all, so what all the mountains have sort of group, grouped together, or the, the, the owners of all the mountains have grouped together and just, so what, do they donate these passes to, to the ski team, as it were, and then obviously the ski team sell them, or? Yeah, so there's, there's an organization that is like, that that has i forget what it's called nhia ah gosh i I forget what the acronym is but essentially it's an association of all the different mountains and what that association does is it it helps the mountains with insurance with with like uh, protocols especially now with covid like they're helping all the mountains try to sort things out um and then make sure that you know you don't have old lifts or anything like that so it's this organization that focuses on that and works on that um, and then they have connection with every single mountain in the U.S. And then that group um, is the one that, that, you know, puts together the passes and then gives them to the U.S. ski team. And then you have this like cool like gold pass that looks like a gold medal. So you roll up and you're just like, nice. you're the cool guy. <laughs> um, and it scans at pretty much every ski area. It's, it's cool. That's cool. That was a clever way of raising some much needed cash. Yeah, I, and it's those things that make such a difference, right? Much needed difference. Did you watch Solden? Um, of course, absolutely. What was your take on it? As brutal as ever, down the uh, down that face. Yeah, I mean, Solden is such. A, it's so fun, right? Because you go from from nothing all summer to like try to see where people are. And for me, uh, it was great. It was it was super fun to watch. You know, a lot of the the old veterans were of course killing it. Um, but then you had some, you had some new names in there that were, that were fun. I was most impressed on the women's side with Paul Maltzon once again, you know, American, like focusing on that, but that was, that was cool. It was a bummer not to have, have Schifrin of course, but um, yeah. What, what do you think about the winner of the men's race? I thought it was a, what a race. I just love how any, pretty much anybody that got a second run could have won. And Braven, just the guys, I don't know, he oozes sort of cool as well, doesn't he? So not only is he obviously really fast, but he's, he seems like, I've never met the guy, but he seems like quite a cool guy as well, which means um, he's, he's already a little bit annoying because he's so cool and so good. <laughs> it's like, like a cool, cool ice man good. or something. Yeah. Cool and good, therefore he's annoying, Ed. I like it. Good, uh, <laughs> no, good what a douche. I, I, I know, those good people, they're so annoying. Yeah, it's only because I'm jealous because 
I'm not cool and I wasn't that good either. So it just means <laughs> you just got both. It's just not very fair. And, and he's yeah, super that, down to earth too. That's the other thing that's in, nice to add on. <laughs> yeah, he lit, he looked like he was having a great time in that race. And, it, you know, I always bang on about the weather. I was glad to get both races off. Uh, the, you know, the, obviously the, in the women's, they had slightly tougher conditions. Certainly on the first run, the visibility looked really, really sketchy, which you really don't want Selden to be a place where you're not entirely sure what your footing's doing on the steep. It looks like a horrible place not to be able to uh, really pick out the, the the initiation of the turn and, and bits and pieces. But, I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to the next couple of weeks now where we can really get into, like, the bit of a churn where you've got races every, every week or every couple of weeks. So as soon as you're done with one, you're like, right, what's next? Can't wait. Ben actually always picks Tessa. When he when he's doing his picks, and then when he was watching your uh, kicking it with a badass uh, feature with Tessa, and uh, Ben was feeling pretty good about his call. She is so cool. I I yeah, she's a badass. She is. Yeah, I picked her on one of like the very first episodes we did, uh, and she won. So basically, every GS pick since then has been Tessa. Um, uh, so yeah, I was I was a bit gutted when she got to the bottom of the steep and had a nightmare on the first run. But even then, she still had a, a, a pretty strong second run coming back into it. She was in the top, I think, four or five times on the second run. So I was like, well, next GS it'll probably still be Tessa again. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, she's definitely strong. I love that when when you get a winner, you just keep it. You know. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, they don't come around very often for us. We we try and not pick the the uh, the mega obvious favourite. So then after that, it's just literally if you get a one right, you, that's it. You're sticking with that one. Yeah. So Warner, we started off. So this is the third. This is our third season now doing the podcast, and we started off in the very first series just between Ben and myself and whoever else we had on just little picks of who we think we're going to win. But we we kind of thought we'd make it a little bit more interesting back in the Hirsha days that you know. You, you go, right, who's going to win? But you're not allowed to pick Hirscher or Christofferson or Schifrin or whoever <laughs> it was. And so we'd love to make it a bit more interesting. So our, our picks for winners was few and far between. And so I think we just carry on with that because neither of us got any points last weekend, did we? <laughs> no, no, we got no points the first time around. So we'll have to, have to uh, try and find some names outside of the very obvious ones for this weekend as well. Exactly. But um, didn't, didn't your last guest say that Hirscher was making a comeback? uh who yeah oh i think i kind of got a little bit overexcited about <laughs> me too me too <laughs> it, it was uh i was on it was on with um a couple of the atomic guys and there was some big announcement that they're supposed to be doing in in january and it's to do with hirsha so i just then jumped jumped at it and uh, that hirsha is making a comeback which I've been reassured. I've not been told what the secret is because they are keeping their hand, their cards close to their chest. But no, I, I definitely went with Hirsch uh, is coming back and I'm still fingers crossed. That, can, can we make I that mean, official <laughs> right now? I mean, I just think that, that <laughs> with the three of us here, I mean, we have a lot of knowledge of the sport. And, and a lot of influence. A lot. And a lot of precisely. <laughs> listen to what we've got to say. Marcel, your country needs you. They need you badly. <laughs> You can't be, be relying on De Gruber for slalom medals. Come back, Hersher. Come back. And, and the entire sport needs you, Hersher. You are a legend. Exactly. 
exactly oh, every time we post bike. a picture of skis that's that's my repost of comebacks on <laughs> 2021 here it comes <laughs> yeah. yeah your last one of those was when Solden was happening and he did a timely post of him with the set of like fat powder skis yeah the fat boy powder skis and i said you probably still win on those uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on the year <laughs> yeah we, we should start a petition definitely we should start a petition i'm not sure what we could coax him back with because i don't think he needs the money we might have to think something different yeah i'll yeah. get to work on that i'll get to work on that but i i will say that when you like bring up money it's interesting because I, I don't think any ski racers care about the money like I, d I still don't think there's a single one out there that does it for the money like you do it because you just love that feeling of acceleration and joy and I, I don't know there's a study about this a few years ago that talked about how important that is and how very few people even think about the money so I don't know I just think that that is something that makes our our sport also pretty badass yeah, if, you want to, if you want to get rich, skiing's probably not. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, the, for the likelihood of getting to the bit where you become that rich, you have to spend an awful lot to get there. So it's quite yeah. a high risk strategy if you want yeah. to be those guys. <laughs> I, do, I, do wonder, I wonder whether that plays a part in some people carrying on an extra couple of years, though. Maybe not like in the in initial phases of doing it for the money, but I think when you get towards the, the end of your mm. career, especially if you're like a bit of a late, you know, late bloomer in terms of like your, how old you were when you started winning, you might think, well, I've been at this for so long. I may not be able to win, but I may pick up, I don't know, because you can still, you're picking up you know, tens of thousands, if you're, if you're good, obviously if you win, you're picking up lots, but if, if you're in the top 10, you're still picking up decent euros, aren't you, in terms of uh, sponsorship and cash. I just wonder sometimes whether you see a couple of the elder statesmen just Sticking around a little too long, you're saying? A little, uh, yeah, I think there's a few guilty. I know Ben's Ben's definitely got a few cards marked for people doing that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've already I've already thrown one out there. Uh, do 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 you think it's the money, or do you think that they just they just love it? Like, it's probably uh, it's probably a bit of both. But yeah, yeah, loving it. But also, I mean, when you. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say, when you think back to you know, like the, the legendary like old guys, when it was like Lassie Houston people, you're like, well, he's not in it for the money. You know, he's in his 40s. You're like, he just loves going <laughs> fast. That's fine. He loves it. And he's still, it was still fast. When, when they, th those guys, when they're still going and you see the occasional, like they might kind of pop up at a world champs and go, you know what? I've still got a bit more in me. Uh, like get a podium in a world championship like oh maybe one more season and it's nearly olympics time and they're like yeah let's keep going if if you can still if you can still compete then go for it if you're just hanging around uh the, the back of the 20s <clears throat> and your name's uh something degruber um and there's a bunch of young austrians that need some starts to try and find the next marcel hersher then you know get out of the way man um do you guys reckon you know you're just reeling off legendary skiers there like some of those old school downhillers and slow and tech skiers but do you think that we are that's a different era in terms of there were legends there that they're not the same now or are we just victims of our sort of generation and our age and we look back at those guys and the youngsters will be looking at back at foits and and uh, and the likes now in paris and those guys become their legends or do you think that it's yeah, I think it's who, who you grow up watching um, and when you're in the sport, who the, the absolute top dogs are when you're around. You know, we you know we said we had the likes of 
Bodhi whilst we were racing to look up and go, holy crap, that guy is, inc- is there anything he can't do on a pair of skis? Obviously, when you're a child watching it, and we, we did a, the, the live podcast last year of, of greatest of all time, and we were talking about, you know, Tomba and Stenmark and, and those kind of guys. And those will be the people who have the biggest influence on you. Um, I think if in 10 years' time, people are talking uh, about uh, Lassie Cuse instead of the likes of, uh, of Paris and Foyts and Couch, then then they've, they've been watching a lot of reruns and probably not what a lot of what's been going on whilst they've been racing. I think those guys will still be legends, um, but obviously every generation is going to have its own its own set of legends. You, you know, the funny thing is, is is like how much the sport changes, right? So I think that's all part of it too. Like looking back at, I don't know, like watching the Honeycomb when when there's like wooden fences and stuff. I mean, like you look at that and you're just like, these guys are at a totally different level. Like the amount of risk reward is just insane there. And they're probably still think- over from the night before as well. And, and those, I don't know, all those stories, they're just like, like, that's what makes it so special. I, I don't know. It's a good question, but I'm, I'm not, I don't know. You, you're all like the older stories, the further and further back it gets, the more ridiculous and insane it is. Yeah. At some point, do you think they'll be racing with like, in like Zorb, in Zorb balls to make sure it's as safe as possible sort of thing? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Anything can happen, right? But like you look back on the old days and it uh, wow like it is gnarly pine needles showing you the way and flat light where you can't see and maybe a picket fence to to stop you hitting into that cliff face wearing leather boots <laughs> yeah <laughs> case in point yeah. yeah right let's move on to this coming weekend's uh, action so we have Double ladies slalom from Levy. They are racing Saturday, Sunday morning. It's a bit sad not to see the men racing, but obviously COVID times mean that it's just the ladies going up there. Makes sense that Fizz have decided to try and keep the tour as separated as possible when it comes to traveling to that sort of distance. So uh, the ladies will get a double crack at that awesome looking slalom hill. Uh, Ben, what do you like about Levy? Normally, I'd say Dave's rapid, but Dave's not racing. So this time, it's going to be... Uh, I was looking back over the results from the last few years, and it's it's basically been the, the Schifrin versus Vlahova show, uh, apart from, I think, last year, Vlahova DNF on the second run. But normally, those two are an absolute mile in front of everyone else. So I'm looking to see... I mean, we've been talking about it basically since February, is when Schifrin's coming back, just how, you know, how she's going to handle this year. She's had a very, very sad end to the back end of last year, slight niggling injury that meant she didn't race in Solden. So everyone's just itching to see what kind of form Schifrin's going to be in this year. And I can't, I can't wait to see her just get to not have to do any more interviews, click on the skis and just let it run. It's a, it's a pretty special hill. And that's those snow conditions that they have up there make for some great racing. That's true. It is just the darkest place on earth. Like <laughs> you go up there and you just never see the sun for like weeks on end. It's, it, uh, which makes it great snow. You're totally right about that. And it tends to hold up from, from first to last, doesn't it? We don't see an awful lot of touch wood anyway, rutted conditions, certainly not sort of uh, chunky conditions. Normally the that sort of cold artificial 
layer that they have on there means that we we tend to get some pretty even racing across the board the top section's quite flat there's a couple of big rollers in there caught out some of the uh, ladies and men from last year i think it's about 20 odd seconds just after the first split there's a, a decent roll that the course setters can try and catch a few people out and they certainly did last year uh, and then that steep pitch in the middle is is it's not one that you necessarily think about a gnarly section but i think there's a lot to it there's a lot more to it having chatted to dave at length about his various ups and downs of his, his levy career says so there's a lot more in that piece than it looks on tv and then you've got that pack that sort of rolly flat again where it's super crucial to make sure you're exiting well off the steep and onto the flats and carrying your speed so it's it's one of those that's got a lot of uh, of ingredients down there um do you guys expect to see i don't want your picks just yet but do you expect to see sort of a, a double being done or do you think that we're going to see people finding their feet from one race to the next or bottling it what are you sort of thinking in terms of the, the advantages slash disadvantages of having a double. I see a double. Just getting that confidence up and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like the when was the last time it was it was a double like this? Wasn't that when um uh Benny Reich was up there and just murdered two day two days in a row? Oh, um, sounds good. Ben you'd you'd definitely be up on that that sort of info. But oh would uh, cheers for that mate. Um uh yeah, no quite possibly. I mean, you know, I'm a massive Benny Wright fan. Uh and anytime he was he was geared, it was it was all over it. He did have the advantage of being one of the most consistent racers of all time. So if anyone was gonna do a double, it was likely to be him. Um it'll be quite interesting to see how difficult the first day is if the sets are pretty tough. It, you know, Dave talked about just the drain of just a single day's race. So if you've then got to go back the next day, you think if the winner, how much extra press they get, they have to do at the end of the day, how much downtime they're going to have to fully unwind and then get ready again for the next day. Obviously, these are all um, athletes that are incredibly fit, so they should be able to do two days in a row. But it'd be interesting to see if if we don't see a double, someone comes out and just says, I was just knackered from the day before. I mean, most of these uh, women normally do GS and slalom back to back, so it shouldn't be a problem, but it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm quite excited. But, but also like if, if the plan is to do two days, it's totally different, right? Like everything is set for two days. It's, to it's different when you show up there for one, like you're, you're prepped for one. So after it, you're, you're destroyed, but I don't know. It's like, it's like when you're flying home from a ski from from a, a series or something, and you know the night before, you know you have one last day of of skiing or racing, and then but you have to move out of the hotel and you got to do all this crap beforehand, right? It's like like you you got one foot already on the plane, and so if you know it's two days, I I don't I don't I just think it's just like a a normal two day series between the top two, the two favorites. The, the fire will be stoked of whoever doesn't pick up that first race. And That's so true. That is totally true. There will be some serious fire for whoever's first. And it, I mean, that's our guess, right? One of those two is going to be first. The other one's going to be second. You know, maybe, maybe we'll get Sandy Wendy to send one in there, but you're right. Villava <laughs> and Michaela could be out for blood on the yes. second day. Yes. There'll be snowballs flying. There'll be <laughs> the technicians will be punching each other at the top. Coach, there's going to be some serious 
heart rates going on up there. That's a great point. Now, now I'm really excited about this race. <laughs> but before we get to the picking, Ben, we have some exciting news for us as the podcast. We've got ourselves a sponsor. Um, Come on! Yeah. Ben, does that, ben, I feel like that makes us big time. Are we big time now? I mean, I, I certainly am. You've been sponsored before. For me, this is the first time anyone's ever sponsored me to do anything. So um, I'm counting this as I've made it. You, people are giving you free skis for years. So you've been there and done it already. Uh, this is certainly my turn, my turn to hit the big time. So our new sponsors are Powderhound and they are a lifestyle mountain brand. And so they do anything from T-shirts, which I will post a picture of, to homeware, tableware, masks for the old COVID. You've got to be COVID safe. Oh, nice. Silhouetted skiers. It was founded in 2018 by a British designer and photographer, Natasha Durlacher. And they do pretty much anything that you can think of. They've got some awesome, awesome crockery. Great for tea, as us Brits love a cup of tea. But yeah, so I'm super pumped. Uh, guys, check it out. They are powderhound.london. Oh. And in, if you use Ski Pod 10, you'll get a cheeky little discount. They ship all over the world. So you're going to have to check them out. Rad. Yeah. Look, I've got my little e mug. With- yeah, I'm, I'm looking at them online right now. They got tons of sweet stuff. And uh, this, this week, for the uh, masks have got some use when I hit the shops. And also, now the temperature's dropping. I've been using my snood when I'm going out for running, keeping nice and warm. Especially in COVID safe, baby. Gotta be at length. You got to be COVID safe all of the time. So um, we're going to be featuring a few bits and pieces over the Instagram, give you some inspirational stuff. If you want to grab um, yourself something, get online and use Ski Pod 10 for a little cheeky discount. Good step for the pod, would you reckon? You guys are big yeah. time, man. Big time. <laughs> um, so this will bring us very nicely onto the Ski Racing Podcast predictions feature in association with Powderhound. And so what we do, Warner, and for those of you that are new to the pod, is you get to choose your winner of the race, or you pick who you think is going to be the winner for each of the World Cups coming up. So that's the double slalom. Drop us an email to the Ski Racing Podcast at gmail.com or search for us on all of the socials at the Ski Racing Podcast on Instagram or search for the Ski Racing Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And then you can give us your calls. And you basically, if your pick wins, you get five points. If your pick is second, you get three points. And if your pick is third, you get one point. If your pick is off the podium or DNFs, nil point for you, uh, which is why Ben and I sit with zero points from the because <laughs> we chose Alice Robinson. Well, I chose Alice Robinson for the win in Seldon, and she that's a good pick. That would have been a good pick. Uh, ben Charles Worley, who didn't obviously podium. I then chose I think Kranjek for the win in the GS for the men's, and he was fourth or fifth. Uh, and you chose Pantero, who was surprisingly a little bit even lower down, I think. So, yeah, that's how no, I chose. Works. I went even worse. I chose Fev. Uh, oh, Michael yeah. Mathis, Chase, <laughs> Chase Pantero. I thought Fev was going to have a flyer like he did last year. And did he get rubbish. a second run? He did get a second run just. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, as I put, he pulled a Tessa and thought it'd be funny to throw him sideways at the bottom of the steep. But I was like, they clearly don't listen to the podcast. That was the one place I said, don't mess up, bottom of the steep. 
<laughs> no one wants the indignity of pushing along the flat. Um, and so on the leaderboard from last week um, and looking to try and hold on to their space, we've got two uh, leaders who are both on eight points. Ambrosh Privac and Dave Cheshire have both got eight points. And then in third place is Raul Denning. So he's on six. Uh, and then there's a bunch of more points. There's about 30 people that picked up points last year and last week, sorry. And then there's about 40 of us who are still on no points. So if you didn't join us for the first week, it doesn't matter because you're starting on uh, zero, just like us. <laughs> uh, and then at the end of the year, there'll be prizes, uh, which we will get from our lovely sponsors, Powder Hands, and send them out to, uh, for the, uh, the top three come the end of the year. Warner, are you ready? Or do you want Ben to go first, just to... Give you a little so it's one pick it's a single single athlete. pick so just one pick you can obviously you can have two different people if you think that two different people are going to win uh at the weekend and obviously if you pick let's say you pick Schifrin for race one uh and Vlahova for race two and then it's the other way around that you know you pick you've got to be very clear about who's race okay. one and who's race two am i allowed to pick Michaela you can, you can pick who you want We're, I mean of course I'm gonna pick Schifrin <laughs> For the double? Yeah, I just want to see her come back and just destroy. Do you think... Been, what's that? Not, not that it matters, but do you think it's going to be a demolishing of the field? No, I don't, I don't think it'll be demolishing. I, I think it'll be, it'll be her classic, just slightly better than everyone else, um, especially Every second run, second half of the course. It'll just be like, sorry, guys. Sorry, girls, <laughs> women. Sorry, women. I, I, you know, like I'm back and it's nice to see you all. I hope it was fun while I was gone, but <laughs> here we are again. That's, that's like what I predict. Nice. Nice. Ben, what, what are you, what are you going to say? Who are you thinking? I've got two names written down. I had a little look at the weather as well. Not that it makes any difference, um, but Saturday looks nice. Yeah. Apparently a bit of snow on Sunday. Look at you, um, but the, like this is going to have an effect on who you're going to call. I've well written down before I check the weather. Um, but <laughs> so, based on based on uh, what we have seen, Warner did a good shout out earlier as well. Uh, I haven't heard her called it before, but Sendy Wendy, I definitely like that's getting used again. I'm, I'm <laughs> taking that one, and that's a brilliant name. Um, but Wendy's podiumed a few times. I know we've talked about a hundred times about the no wins yet, but I think she's had like two seconds and a third. Um, so I'm going to say Wendy on Sunday in the, uh, in the maybe snow. Um, and Saturday, I had uh, a couple times last year. We saw some pretty awesome skiing from Anna Swen Larson. So I'm saying Swen Larson on Saturday, Holden on Sunday. Good picks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and stay away from the favourites just because then if I get them wrong, I then, then I feel like I've, I've got an excuse because I didn't pick the favourites anyway. Uh, <laughs> Because my form has been rubbish. I also like the thought of um, Sven Larsen winning. She's been, she's had that end of the last year where she crashed like three gates from the end in Kranskagora, that slalom. Yeah. I thought she was going to like kick on from there. So I, I think, you know, up in Scandinavia, let's go for, let's go for Sven Larsen. Which day did you say it, Ben? I said Saturday. Okay, well, I'll just go the other day. I'll go Sunday, just to be slightly more interesting, uh, just to make it a bit more interesting. And then one of us might get some sort of... Might get eight point. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, it's I think it is really tricky to look anywhere past the big two in reality. 
Vlahova and Schifrin, I think those two can, are, cons- are they head and shoulders above the rest? Inconsistently, certainly are. I mean, one-off races, I think there's a few girls, that ladies that could take that as a one-off, but consistently are pr- probably not. Um, I might just chuck in, I think I might chuck in one of the Austrians just because... I was going to say after your chat with Wolfie, I'm surprised. I thought you would have had the inside track on uh, on, uh, on the uh, one of the Austrian side, ladies. He's on the speed side, otherwise I might have gone for it. I'm going to go Lin- Linsberger. Cool. Try and try and spice it up a little bit. Uh, we've had a couple of calls already, so let's see what you guys make of it at home. If you can come in and drop us in your thoughts, and then we'll be announcing winners obviously at the weekend on a British front. We have two ladies racing. We will have Alex Tilly and Charlie Guest both making the trip uh, and looking to pick up some points coming in. We saw Alex Tilly pick up some points in GS. She picked up some World Cup points in Killington last year, which she's gutted that we're not going to get a stop over in the US. So we wish both of those ladies well. This is the best place to do it, right? I mean, the snow is really hard. It's, It's a great place to break through. Absolutely. From the US point of view, do you know how many people are making the trip up there apart from obviously Schifrin? I'm not totally sure, but I, I think it's Nina and then Paula Moulton. And I, I, I expect Paula to do really well. You know, she's never done well in GS uh, until this year and she's been murdering. I was talking to Magnus Anderson the other day. She's been crushing it in training. So uh, I'm expecting her to be, I'm going to say it like top seven. Wow, I like it. Yeah. But I, I do love Sven Larsen up there. I think she'll, she's a great pick. And then Linsberger without, you know, all this drama with Kessley. Yeah. She could, she could have a, a, you know, a good, great start to the season. Yeah, I think it's, it is interesting how she'll, she will tackle a full summer of, of skiing on the brand. Because obviously last year with all that, like you mentioned, issues with the Austrian ski pool. Um, yeah, that sucked. Any sign of K2 making a return to World Cup at any point? <laughs> no, sadly, no, right? Like, that would be, it would be cool. But no, they, they've got other focuses. And, uh, but, it, but there are some badass peace skis coming this year. It's the disruption skis. Super fun to ski on. Us washed up guys would like them. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to convince them to send you a pair. Oh, I need, I need, I need something that's going to help me out because my, um, my brain certainly outdoes my talent now. I think I've still got that <laughs> layer and either end up on my backside or uh, in a heap at the bottom of the hill, just in pieces. Awesome. Now, now I try and do like three good turns and I feel pretty good and I get to the bottom and I'm like, I'm 70 years old and can barely stand up for the next two days. Always a good time for a hot chocolate break, Ed. <laughs> so now it's what you do now. Cafe hopping is the way ahead. Now you retire. Well, you have to, might have to be something a little, little uh, stronger to ease the pain mentally. <laughs> Guys, thanks very much. And please, if you're listening, give us a like, rate us, uh, share us, and leave us a review if you've got time. We would really appreciate it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And let's see how the uh, ladies tackle that infamous levy black piece goodbye for now